to share with you the Ne'ila sermon for this Yom Kippur. And because of the situation with COVID, so many people will not be in shul. And even those that are in shul are going to be wearing masks. And to make things easier, instead of giving the sermon live in shul, I am pre-recording it. However, my deepest, sincerest request is, please, do not listen to this sermon on Yom Kippur proper. It is forbidden to use electronics on Yom Kippur. So please, listen to this either pre-Yom Kippur or post-Yom Kippur. And may God be with my lips that I speak words that come from the heart and enter into the heart. So the Ne'ila sermon is titled, No, Anyone But God, Please. Subtitle, Overcoming the Fear of Intimacy. So start with a little story. A man on a horseback riding excursion was taking a horse for a strong gallop, enjoying the freedom and rush that he was feeling. Faster and faster, the man drove the horse to gallop, standing up in the stirrups, shouting in exhilaration. The man was not familiar with the terrain. The horse was. The man wasn't aware of the cliff he was charging forwards to. The horse was. Completely unprepared, the man was thrown forward over the horse's head and over the cliff as the horse came to a sudden sharp halt. Our friend luckily caught onto a branch and he was hanging on for dear life. In total surrender and desperation, he called out to God, God, please save me. I will do whatever you tell me. Just please save me. And a heavenly voice rang out from the sky asking, anything? Yes, God, any guidance you give me to save my life, I will follow. The man firmly responded. And then God said, let go of the branch. The man, after the initial shock, looked up to heaven and asked, is there anyone else up there? The story is shared in the literature of addiction recovery with the conclusion that the man never bothered looking down to see that he was hanging but a mere eight feet from the ground. God wasn't playing with him, but God saw what he was not able to see. Now, I have been rightfully accused of giving sermons and speaking of topics on the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings that humans experience. The ones that, to quote the term in Hasidus and Kabbalah, meliba lepumya loigalia, from the heart to the mouth one does not reveal. However, we live in a time of confusion and a manipulation in which the unspoken 
is never to the innocent's advantage. More and more we are in bondage by that which we are not willing to discuss. And we're taken advantage of for it. Healing the shame of the unspoken takes place in the courage to speak. But the good news is that Ne'ilah's sermons are meant to be short. So, an introduction. The final service of Yom Kippur is called Ne'ilah, mean, which means closing. The soul of the prayer may very well be found in the verse within the Ne'ilah prayer, and I quote, Open for us the gate of prayer at the time of the closing of the gate, for the day has declined. And thus the simple meaning of Ne'ilah means that the gates of heaven are closing, with us remaining on the outside. I have been taught that the Rebbe's paradigm of the Ne'ilah prayer is quite the opposite. Let me explain. At this heightened moment of Yom Kippur, the Rebbe teaches that God orders all the prosecution angels, the defense angels, and evidence of either to be removed from before him, as now the gates will close with God and you remaining inside alone. This is the moment in which before our fate is sealed, God wants to be alone with us, who are defined, we are defined to God in the teachings as, and I quote, an only child born to his father in his elders. That's how loved and cherished we are. So that's the beautiful teaching of the Rebbe on the Ne'ilah services, not that the doors are closing on us with us being outside, but rather the doors are closing on everyone and everything but God and us as we remain alone in the inside. I want to share with you that once in a father-son conversation that my father, may he live and be well, had with me, my father was talking to me about the concept of getting to be judged and dealt with by God rather than by another human. Truth be said, my father was echoing the words of King David who said, and it's quoted twice in the book of Samuel and the book of Chronicles, and I quote, I am greatly oppressed. Let, it, let us fall now in the, la in the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but into the hand of man let me not fall. Okay, so here goes one of my shameful, unspoken, from the heart to the mouth, one does not reveal realities. I'm going to share with you something. Even at that young idealistic age in my life, when my father was having this conversation with me, my gut revulsed at what my father was saying. Now, of course, I didn't and wouldn't share this with him. Rather, I verbally affirmed what every person of faith is expected to affirm. Yes, you're right, Ta. 
We'd much rather fall in the hands of God than in the hands of any other human. However, the deepest fibers of my being shuddered at the thought. I felt safer in the hands of fellow humans than I did in the hands of God. It would take years of work to first understand my fear and then to work through it. However, one thing was for sure. The Rebbe's Ne'ila was no source of comfort to me. I imagined in horror as my defense angels were packing up and leaving God's throne room, how my immense panic of, don't leave me here alone with God, you guys are my only chance with him, was screeching in my mind. So what I today know is that the fear I had to be in the hands of God was simply the fear of intimacy. You see, for me, beyond all the mushy ecstasy that intimacy professes to have, the core basic definition of intimacy is best said as into me see. That, for me, was a no-no of the highest order. You see, for me, relationships, friendship, and love depended upon what you did not know about me. This was the glue in every one of my relationships. Yes, I let you know just enough of me, the side that you wanted to see. However, the real work in relationships for me was in the smokescreen, the covert dishonesty through which I can manipulate, bribe, and stand a chance of keeping the relationship going. Sad, yes, I know, but I somehow learned to believe about myself that if you knew me, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. As a joker in my yeshiva days would say, anyone who would marry me, I don't want to marry. Sadly, by the way, to this day, he isn't married. Hence, my wanting to fall into the hands of a fellow human, as merciless as he or she may be, rather than in the hands of God. For with a fellow human with whom I can control what he does or doesn't know about me, I at least have a chance. However, the only relationship available with God is the relationship of into me see. God knows everything about me. And being so, the only relationship that I could fathom that God would want with me is a relationship of disgust, retribution, and on a good day, a relationship sprinkled at best with some tolerance. However, a relationship of love, caring, sweetness, and compassion from someone who really knew me wasn't on my menu. It just wasn't possible for someone like me. For me, overcoming the fear of intimacy began through finally seeing the window that the Rebbe of righteous and blessed memory offered me into getting a glimpse of God's unconditional love for each 
and every Jew, even for me. When I stood before the Rebbe numerous times on that Sunday line receiving a dollar, on the day before Yom Kippur receiving honey cake, or wine after a holiday, the look of love, caring, hope, sympathy, and empowerment was too palatable to deny, even for me. The letters of mine to which the Rebbe replied, the time the Rebbe took when I approached him in tears as he was walking up the stairs to the mikveh, they cracked through all the walls of self-doubt and even self-loathing. And my motto slowly transformed into, if only I could see what the Rebbe sees when he looks at me. The gates of Ne'ila were little by slowly opening up for me. The real healing of fear of intimacy begins when we get a better understanding of how God's into me see works. Here is how Maimonides explains it. And I quote, for he is the knower, he is the knowledge, and he is the known. What this means, as Maimonides writes and Hasidus explains, is that God's knowledge of everything is not an outer knowledge of knowing the other, but rather God is everything and everything is God. Thus, God's knowledge of me is only because God knows himself and I am but a piece of him. This is the core of God's intimacy with me. God, before looking or seeing what I have done, first and foremost, sees me for who I am, a piece of him. Only from that vantage view, that vantage of view, does God go on to see what I have done. The intimacy of the Rebbe's Ne'ila is becoming less frightening and even a touch enticing. There is, amazing, there is an amazing teaching from the great Baal Haturim on the verse in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 where God speaks to Moses at the burning bush and says, says Ra'a ra'isi for, seen, for see I have seen. However, firstly, let's understand, why was Moses arguing with God at the burning bush for a week straight when all God was asking him to do was to free the Jews? One of the answers given is that God told Moses at the burning bush, chapter 3, verse 12, And when you have freed the people from Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain, meaning Mount Sinai, meaning receiving the Torah from God at Mount Sinai. You see, Moses foresaw that after the Jews received the Torah, the Jews will sin. And he worried that then God will not love them anymore and he will want to even annihilate them. God forbid. Thus, Moses felt that the Jews were safer in Egypt, even in servitude than to become intimately known to God with a relationship 
will go sour. Comes along God and says to Moses, no. For see, I have seen. To which the Balaturim explains the double language, see, seen, ra'a, ra'isi. And he explains it as follows. For I, for I have seen them as they stand at Mount Sinai and lovingly say, we will do and we will hear. However, I equally see them as they make and serve the golden calf. And nevertheless, God says to Moses, a quote from Malachi, verse, chapter 1, verse 2. I love you, said the Lord. Yes, even when God looks into me and sees what I have done, he sees it only through who I am. And God loves me nonetheless. In closing, I believe that fear of intimacy is rooted in fear of abandonment. Thus, I leave you to experience the Rebbe's Ne'ila with the following thought. For those of us who go through life leaving the other before the other leaves us so as not to get hurt, it's a process to understand that in our relationship with God, God isn't leaving us ever. Entering into the Rebbe's Ne'ilah is to, even if still timid and scared, to trust and to know that God isn't leaving ever. Gemar Khatima Tova, where you may you have the most intimate Ne'ilah service with God and to feel the ra'ara isi, that God sees everything. He sees us who we are. He sees us through that what we do. And he loudly proclaims to us, hafti eschem amar Hashem. I love you. It's forever. It's going to be okay. Mar chatima tovah.